The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday morning. Make sure I had my right day there. It's good to have you with us today as we look into God's Word just for a few moments. Uh, If you have your Bible, we are in Matthew chapter 17 as we go verse by verse, section by section uh, through the book of Matthew, through the life of Christ. Uh, Follow along as we jump into, as we jump into chapter 17, and we're going to jump into the story often known as the transfiguration of Jesus Christ and what that means, but really some great principles here. And really what we're going to see is some great principles about who Jesus was and really who Jesus is in our daily life. So Matthew chapter 17, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on high mountains by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with them. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. So we're gonna, we'll break this up into a couple sections instead of going through all 11 verses right away. Uh, so the first thing we see is what's happening here. They go to the top of the mountain. I do find it intriguing that it's just Peter, James, and John. One of the things you'll find intriguing in the life of Jesus, Jesus, as I don't like to call him the founder of a religion. It's not really religion. Jesus is God. There is no other God. But the world religion, I mean, our Christianity is based upon him as a man as he walked the earth, but it's intriguing the example we look at. Jesus has impacted billions of people from this time and up to this time, and yet he influenced a lot of his time and his point on 12 disciples. A lot of his direct attentive time was given to these 12 men, and there were some others in that immediate group, but these 12 men, ultimately 12 apostles who helped plant the church, uh, and then in that group, he had three, a smaller group of three men that he would take to scenarios like this, the Transfiguration. The, the example we, we get from this is really a more of a simplistic idea that Jesus understood in the human form, there's no way one person can influence thousands. So what we do is everyone's got a place. You know, he influenced the 12, the 12 went out, and then it grew from there, pastors and things of that nature. Now, that doesn't mean that each individual shouldn't be working to influence. My goal is to impact many individually as we can. We go, we strive to not think, well, I'm too big to talk to somebody. We, we work to influence individuals. We minister to the one because that one is of grave importance. And Lord willing, they will grow and influence one. And you can see how that can just multiply by itself. So as we have been influenced through church and through other people, we should be reaching out to influence. What I see here is I see the importance that Jesus had for a small number. A lot of times what we want is the big crowds and that. And I I love to see larger groups. I love to see large crowds come in together to worship Jesus. I love to hear of large numbers being saved and baptized. But here's how God did it. He did it through the smaller. He did it through a group of three, a group of 12, who then influenced others. And so if we're to do that, each of us are working to influence the one or two around us. And as we do that, everyone doing that, well, there's literally thousands that can be influenced through that. So the unique about that, that minimal number. But the other thing we see here is what is where Jesus was transfigured. Literally what that means is Peter, or Peter, James, and John were able to see Jesus in his glorified body. 
Uh, they were able to see him as, well, as God. They were able to see him that way. Um, his face was as bright as the sun. It kind of took him away from his human form and saw him in his supernatural form, his divine form, while he communicated with Moses and Elijah. They were able to see basically the supernatural world impact and become part of the natural world. That would have been an awesome experience. Uh, to see Jesus really as he was, not in the human form, but in the supernatural form, uh, it just would have been awesome. And so Peter does what any human would do, right? We need to stay here. It's good for us to be here. But then he does something that again shows at this early stage of his training, shows, shall we say, a bit of the immaturity in Peter. You ever notice sometimes it seems like the more you grow in Christ, the more you learn in Christ, the more you realize how much you need to learn. So Peter comes up, let's create three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. You say, what could that possibly mean? Here's the principle, and then we'll move on to God's response, okay? Here's the problem. Peter, uh, Jesus, Elijah, and Moses are not equal. Peter, in his impetuous desire to want to stay in that amazing scenario, know what he did? He placed Jesus equal to these two other men. He placed them equal to them. Jesus is not like Moses and Elijah. Jesus is God. Moses and Elijah were just men and that were able to come in and encourage Jesus. And so Jesus is higher than them. And Peter, I, in a desire to embrace the moment of the time, missed really what was going on. So what happens? Verse 5. While he was still speaking. So Peter's talking and God comes in. No, we're going to tell you what's going on here. He says, Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. When the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, do not be afraid. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Now, what we get is Peter saying this, and God, just in a loving way, in a very powerful way, comes and says, you're missing this. This is about Jesus. The entire premise of what's taking place was not to compare Jesus, Moses, and Elijah as equal. It was simply to state the impressive who God was. These three men got to see a picture of Jesus in his divine glory that will later be seen one day, in heaven later be seen one day when he sits on the throne of David. They got to see Jesus as his true form. And all they could see was what they, 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 again, they were limited. They were human. And I, I, don't, I don't go back and want to criticize Peter for what he's saying. Peter's seeing a great experience. All of us would want to stay in that spot. But what we go back to is what God is trying to help Peter know who this man, Peter, James, and John, who this man really was. Uh, it gave, make it easier to lead these other nine men. It made it easier to one day give their life for him as all but two of them, all but one of them would in this group. Uh, it was easier to do that. Why? Because it got to see who he really was. Uh, but it's intriguing. Let's go down because it sort of doesn't end there. Um, so Jesus, uh, God comes. They're frightened for good reason. Can you imagine hearing the voice of God? Jesus, they, they look up and it's just him. Uh, then it comes back to verse 9. And now as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. Now, two things you'll see here. Number one, don't tell anybody. That must have been a complicated instruction. How would you not want to tell the other nine men? But then he also adds, Until I am risen from the dead. Notice they still didn't get this. Jesus had said this multiple times that he was going to go to the grave. All they got was this. Here's what happens. Now, as they came down from um, verse 10, and the disciples asked him, saying, Why do then the scribes 
say that Elijah must come first. They missed Jesus talking about his death, burial, and resurrection. And they go back to, well, the history tells us Elijah must come first. Elijah was here. Obviously, prophecy is fulfilling itself. And Jesus says in verse 11, Jesus answered, said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has already come. They did not know him but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. It was not that Elijah would come. It was a form of that. John the Baptist was him, and they crucified him, and, and they, they killed him, and ultimately would torture Jesus. The simple point is this. They were right that God had prophesied these things to come from Old Testament scribes and that these things were happening. John the Baptist came, Jesus here. Prophecy was fulfilling itself, but those in that day missed it. And they would ultimately torture him because they did not want what God had prophesied to happen. They wanted to continue to do religion their own way. And that's what a lot of religion is today. It looks good, looks super spiritual, sometimes heavily legalistic and religious, but it's still about me doing it my way. It's not about what God is saying. And there's a lot of man-centered religion out there today that does not want anything to do with God. A simple way to understand that. Simple principle here. You see a religious leader going outside of Scripture. They are wrong. Catch this. A religious leader, no matter who they are and how powerful they might be, if that religious leader goes outside of the truth of Scripture, they are wrong. They are 100% wrong, and there are religious leaders, very powerful religious leaders, changing Scripture to fit culture. Now, God told us it would happen. God told us it would be religious leaders that would help bring in the end times and go against God, bring in the Antichrist, and all those things are going to come. This is not a surprise, but we need to remember it is not a man, it is not a movement we follow, it is God's Word. Why? John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The Bible is God's Word to us. It is our physical form of God in our life. We follow it, and if we don't follow it, burn it. Because if we're not following the Bible as it is, then we have no different than any other religion. It's just a man-centered religion. So the, the principle they got was a reminder of how great Jesus was, who this Jesus is. May we be reminded as we look at the passage today to come back and see Jesus as he is, the one and only true God. He's not a religion. He's not a God of religions. He is the only true God, the only way to heaven. Christianity is not necessarily just a religion. Christianity is the only true answer to man's problems, to eternity, and all of that. Why? Because of the center of that, Jesus. As Paul said in Colossians, he must increase. You know, uh, He is the preeminence above all things. In all things, he must have the preeminence. That's what we look at. And that core is the truth, which takes us back to the Word of God. We can follow, we can trust. It's not about me. It's about him. And may that be true, not only in the big things in our, in the, in our mind from, well, yeah, theologically we believe that. May that be true in every other small part of our life, that Jesus is there. He's powerful. He's almighty. He loves us, and he can take care of everything. And we see this great almighty God. May we always be reminded of who he is and what that means for us. Well, thanks for joining us on this Thursday morning giving me a chance to be part of your day. It greatly is appreciated. Hope it's an encouragement. Hope you're reminded not only how great God is, but how much he loves you and desires to be your savior, desires to be an encouragement to you and lead you through whatever it is you're going through today. Again, thanks for joining us today. We we'll look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.